Right, Notion had an update, Obsidian had an update, and we want to talk about it. Oh, yes. The the Notion update, I must admit, I'm not as familiar with because um, I don't use Notion. But they added in sprints, AI bots, like you can AI fill properties, which was intriguing, um, IDs and projects. Mm. Are, you are you familiar with uh, what they've done? Yeah. I don't like it. <laughs> it's it's very siloed, which I've seen some comments from other power users of like it's it's very siloed, which is my concern. Is the whole point of Notion is that it's you know Lego, put it together however you want, and now they're starting to create things where you have to use their template, and I'm like. Your templates suck, Notion. <laughs> they just suck. For 95% of people, it sucks. So for the Obsidian users that are listening, because I know we have a few of them, um, do, do you want to give a quick rundown as to what some of these Notion features are? I know I know the basics. I know enough to go, I don't like them. Uh, do you know anything more? Otherwise, obviously, I can, I can explain. I mean, I know enough. Like... I've I've had a little bit of a play and I don't like it. See, it's basically You've gone further than me. I didn't even play. I just saw the videos on Twitter. I saw a couple of videos on YouTube pop up and then I watched them and I was like, I'm not even gonna bother. I don't like this anyway. <laughs> yeah, they've kind of it's the separation that I'm not sure I like very much. It's the this and then this and then this. I mean, I think it is primarily marketing right now of like it being wikis, docs and projects. Mm. But it there is a there is a feeling of, oh, why are you starting to become the exact thing? The reason why I went to Notion and all those years ago, and obviously I'm in Obsidian and Morgan now, but that's beside the point. But the reason why I went to Notion is because I wanted something more and wanted to be able to build it myself. I didn't want a fixed way of working. I wanted to design and build my own environment, not have the environment predetermined for me. Yep. And what they've done with this new projects update, um, which adds in a bunch of pretty cool stuff. Don't get me wrong. They're really cool features if we had access to them, the entire database, which I'm I'm not entirely sure we, we actually do. The thing that intrigues me, I think this comes down to, again, a little bit of like a, a philosophy, uh, I guess you could argue ontological like, point of view when it comes to like, what is a project? Uh, I, I've tried recording my, um, my uh, setup, my Obsidian setup, because I've had requests for it for like the last two months and I've been waiting for the metadata video to come out. I did that one. Um, and then I had a load of mic issues, which you may have heard in the last video that I released. It kept clipping and it was just frustrating. I've recorded the video three times. But when I go through a project in Obsidian, what is a project? It's a file with writing in it. And the project then has a different status because like uh working status whether it's uh if it's a video it's going to have a different set of statuses to a blog post to a podcast they're all going to be slightly different um 
in in notion unless they've changed this in the projects and i missed this you still just have like a status it's a working or to do working done or however many you want it's not oh this is a video project this has a different type of status or this you is obviously a list... can add them in but then you're adding like multiple properties to a database or you're adding multiple databases to store projects which it, it just adds more fluff and unnecessary stuff inside of notion which is just irritating. So when I look at a project, like really broken down, what is it? It's it's a file of notes. It's literally all it is. <laughs> and and Notion, yes, can do that. But as soon as you want to adjust those files, because the file is a page instead of a database, you are limited. You are inherently constrained because it's in a database. Which is it's funny. The less structure, the less structured app, Obsidian, gives you more structure when you actually want to manage projects, which kind yeah, of goes against... It, it gives you what, provided you know how to use it. Yeah, yeah. But it kind of goes against your intuition. And obviously this <laughs> this ties in very nicely with ecological psychology. Um, with, with intuition, you think, oh yeah, that just makes sense. And I understand that. Yeah, but when you really dive in and look at it, it doesn't work <laughs> there, there are a lot of limitations it's so odd the choice that they made to make it you have to create a template yeah and use their template it's like do you know i i think my guess and like subjective opinion is they're trying to appeal to teams that's what i think which is fine except teams need flexibility too otherwise they'll just use asana or ClickUp. Yeah. or what what intrigues me is what sort of teams because when i think of teams using notion i typically think of content creators and entrepreneurs like mm. they're, they're the people I, I i think of uh and a lot of the content creators are not going to be they're not they're one of two. They're either not going to be interested in the applications enough to go and explore and figure out how the stuff works, or they're going to be really interested in how the stuff works and get frustrated by the limitations. <laughs> yeah. I, I think the, the people in the middle don't really exist outside of the Notion consultant world because the Notion consultant gets the person that doesn't care to care enough to come into the mm. features uh, but then you're relying on other people helping people get involved in a tool, which kind of defeats the point of the tool just being easy to use and just use which it. Which is my suspicion of why they're doing this kind of new marketing thing of like, these are your wikis, these are your projects, these are your docs, which I just, it's completely beside the bloody point of the application. Yep. And obviously they're, they're in a very different, I suppose, sphere. And like then that they have investor monies, they have to make the money that they need to make. And it makes sense to do that from a business perspective. But from a user perspective, it will would I could just imagine go back into my system and trying to recreate my system using their template. I would hate every second of it. Like I, I, did, I did, I just had a peek and I saw that and I've never liked Notion's templates. They never, ever click. They are so rudimentary. Yeah, they are so rudimentary. They are so pointless. They're like, here, here is all your tasks. 
here, here is a project database with a tasks thing, but you don't collect, connect them together, which is kind of the damn point of Notion. That's one of the kind of basic features of Notion is a relation, like, duh. And it just, it baffles me. And so now they've created these kind of projects. And it's just... I I also find the sprints slightly amusing because the the sprints obviously is related to time. And time means you need a time view, either a calendar or a timeline. But when it comes to managing your time, I don't like doing it in Notion because it doesn't give you the granularity or the flexibility that I wanted, which is why the calendar was as close as I could get in Notion. And then I was like, okay, I need a, a list alongside the calendar but then i also need to time the list as well so i need a sort on the list and it became a faff which is why i moved elsewhere morgan it just does it i mean todoist does it <laughs> tick tick does it any task manager does it um and when i look at the sprints i'm thinking okay what what, what do you actually what are you actually trying to do with the sprints the same with the uh, the ids i'm like what are you actually trying to do with the ids i already know the id of a project because of the name of the project if i needed another id then why have i id'd it the same as something else like i, I don't see the point it it feels like a feature to add a feature rather than a feature to help the user and i think the, it's interesting because the id is kind of more of a power user feature for those who use automations. But then they're marketing it as a... Exactly. It's, it's weird. I, it, I see the IDs being used in like formulas and relations and roll-ups and API calls. Yeah. How many people are actually going to do that inside of Notion, apart from the Notion nerds and consultants that really dive into these features? And even apart if they do dive Apart from the fact in... that most of the time, if you really want to effectively use task and project management inside of Notion, you need those features now. Which, exactly. which, which is the, I think, the reason why IDs suddenly exist now is because they realize that the automations and like the i mean they're planning to bring in automations themselves where it's like when something does this the other things does that which i don't get how i hadn't done yet <laughs> it's been so long obviously the ai fill bot is going to going to take a role in that as well i think yeah i that mm -mm. I, I still don't get it, it like I, I I've tried it a little bit, very very briefly, and I get it, I suppose. But why can't I just use the formulas? Which is what I've always I always used to have my summary formula, which shows just the basic data and the basic information. Oh, because because that's more complicated, you see. Yeah, but then I get what I want. <laughs> but my, but my argument is is that AI is complicated if you don't write it correctly. You do not get what you need. I agree. And that's what I don't understand. I feel like they're they're all nice features, but I feel like they're all shiny new toys that don't really do anything. Mm, for us, anyway. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, that, that that's our opinion, of course, which is very biased. Um, and speaking of branding and marketing, Obsidian, new logo. Initial thoughts? I love it. <laughs> it's different, which is why I like it. And the only reason why I like it. I don't really care about I don't care about logos. 
There, there was a big, I'm not going to say uproar, but it was certainly a big debate in the Obsidian community. Like some people love it. Some people hate it. Some people hate what it stands for. Some people love what it stands for, as in like what it could mean for the branding. I don't um, give a shit. I want to still, is, the app exactly. is still the same. People like, have gone I'm, so I'm, heavy into it. I'm like, it's a freaking icon. Like, does it still work? Yes. Can I still use it? Yes. Does the application work the way I want it to? Yes. Great. It's it's interesting, like from a marketing perspective, sharpen your thinking. I'm like, oh, okay, interesting. That adapts to the way you think. I'm like, I, I like they changed away from the building a second brain. I am glad they, yeah, yeah. I like that. That, that is like that right there is something I did enjoy. I think uh, so. I actually got a comment on the video that I did about the new icons. Uh, They're like, they listen to you. I don't know whether they listen to me or whether they did it on their own. I'm not going to take credit for something that probably wasn't me. But the building a second brain is limiting to a marketing audience. And I don't think Obsidian are just building a second brain people, especially with the way that the tool works without plugins. Like, you don't need plugins. A lot of people will argue you do. You really don't. It's only for extensibility the only reason you actually need a plugin is to search stuff but if you don't have like a lot of notes you really don't need data view i mean you've got data view as a dashboard but i don't think you really need it right now correct me if i'm no. wrong not really apart from maybe my source notes would be good to have but yeah not really it's just a nicety it's not something that really when it comes to the day-to-day -day use i can just literally go meh put something in, make a few notes, and off I go. Because um, my notes are so few, as we saw in the uh, <laughs> in, in the uh, graph, view. graph view image. Like, it, I could find them all pretty simply. And because of the folder structure is so simple. Mm. That's what I was going to say. When you look at people that use uh, Apple Notes or uh, well, any basic notes app, even Evernote to an extent, like it's just folders. And Obsidian can be just folders. You don't need to have data view to query stuff on a Canvas dashboard with Meta and Asia menu giving you all the icon field stuff. Like You, you don't need it. You can just have, okay, This is these are the projects I'm working on in, in an active folder. Uh, let's move it to resources. Or if you're going to use para projects, areas, recourses, archives, you, you could use that if you wanted. You you don't need plugins, um, which means Obsidian as a building a second brain isn't, isn't needed. So sharpen your thinking. I really like because the links, just the basic backlinks and outgoing links is so helpful for navigation. I don't and, think and it I does just... more than that, but... I, I like I like the your mind is unique part, which I was like, yes, because that's the that is it that right there. Like your thoughts are yours. Your mind is unique. Your knowledge should last that right there feels exactly why I use Obsidian. It's like, yeah, they're mine. I can access them anywhere offline, online. No one cares. Like, I mean, that's not a big deal to me, but I like the fact that it, I don't have to think about it. Your mind. Oh, no is buffer circle. Yeah. yeah, your mind is unique with hundreds of plugins and themes you can shape Obsidian to fit your way of thinking. Apps are flipping lootly. It is doing what I thought Notion could do. It is doing what Notion I thought Notion could do. Um, your knowledge should last. Yeah, I can always access my files even if I'm on, if I'm on my phone. I don't have Obsidian installed. I can just open the 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 MD file, the Markdown file, and read it. And it, yep. it's just it's it's just good. I just I just like it. I think it's brilliant. 
Uh, there was a, an interesting situation yesterday. So my sister, she uses Obsidian and Morgan um, and Zotero a little bit. And she's going back to uni in September. And she was having a look in her Obsidian because she reads books. And that's where her library is. Her library for books that she reads, this is fiction books, um, is in Obsidian. She uses a data view query for it. And she was looking at videos online to see how people organize stuff. And they were essentially all in Notion. Like everyone's organizing stuff in Notion. <laughs> and she was saying, but you can just do it like this. But you could just do it like that. Why do you need all of this? <laughs> yes, there were things. Because the tool needs it. And exactly. that, that's the thing. And that, that is what I, I still love about Notion is because it's non-proprietary. Like, you well, don't are you talking Notion or Obsidian here? Uh, Obsidian, yeah. You it's said Notion, I was like, huh? <laughs> yeah, sorry. Obsidian is non-proprietary. It's like, you can open these files. All of my notes, I can see wherever I want, even with or without Obsidian installed. Yeah, some of the queries won't work, but like we've already alluded to, they don't really matter that much. And if I'm really fussed by that, I could just make it appear. <laughs> yep. it, it, I, I think what's um, interesting as well with Obsidian is it can have local files in there. Like I keep my Excel files uh, for tracking spreadsheets, obviously, inside of Obsidian. No, it doesn't open in Obsidian, but I can keep it there and then click it and open it up. Inside of Notion, I need to upload that to Notion, which mm, kind of defeats the point of it being local. And maybe your file spreadsheet might be a um, bit too big for upload limits. So it, it doesn't actually give you the option or it just takes you forever to upload stuff. And then when you save things, you then need to save the uploaded version sometimes, which is a pain. And you're like, no. And if you do have different file types, you can just show them all in Obsidian. All of them. It doesn't matter. Uh, and that's really nice. And I mean, there are things in Notion that she was saying, oh, it would be nice to have this in Obsidian. And it's a case of where Notion does it for you, Obsidian, you have to figure it out. That, that is the only real limitation between like Notion and Obsidian is Obsidian, you may need to figure some stuff out, whereas Notion sort of lays it on a platter for you. But when you want to change something in Notion, you can't. <laughs> it's very difficult to actually change it. Whereas in Obsidian, like, oh, I'll just add this little bit here or add that bit there because it's so extensible. One of the uh, nice things about the icon, which I'm loving, is the color changes in the icon. Have, yeah. have you seen Have you seen the, the color change in the blog? That's cool. I've, I've now I love my, that. that. That made me smile. I've, I've now got like, an, yes. an orange obsidian icon on my computer now, which is nice. Don't need to have the purple thing. Yeah, I haven't done it yet, but I'm just like, yes, I can do that. Yeah, I, I I did it, and I was like, I should probably put this in the video in case other people want to do it. So, uh, yeah, it's towards the end of the video, my most recent video, if you're curious. Or it might not be most recent when you listen to this, the one that's got the icons on it. Uh, yeah. So I've yeah, I think it's I think it basically completely and utterly follows its own. It's saying what it does on the tin and isn't mm. messing with it. It's like this is what we believe. This is how it works. It doesn't feel markety. It's just this is us. Yeah, and at the set, it, it's a philosophy rather than fe just features. Yes, it comes up with the features too and details those links, but it talks about why, and it it just it does a way better job than Notion does. Yep, I agree. I I like. I like the way they're going as well with the communication. I know some people have said they're they're not a fan of changing the where the communication is, um, but I don't 
I, I didn't like it being in the forum uh, and in the Discord and on Reddit. Uh, and it's it there wasn't really... I mean, there was central places, but it was hard to find stuff. So when I was looking for updates, I would look into the insider desktop, insider Discord, and then look at the forum to make sure all the feature requests are in there. Uh, but now it's all on the blog, and you can RSS feed that stuff as well. So <laughs> I can have that going into my Zotero and be like, "Hey, Obsidian updated this stuff. Here's what you can see." And I like the change log and the blog being on the website. Yeah, it's nice. It is very nice. I think it's fantastic. I'm really yes. happy with it. I'm quite excited for what's coming. Have you got an idea about what's coming, or is it just no? That this is this is cool. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is just cool. I'm just like, yay, PDF stuff's kind of cool. I haven't used it. I use the Terra like yourself, but mm. I like I, that they're doing it. I was going to say, I like that they're making changes. When they make changes that are func that would functionally replace what it is that I'm doing then I'll switch. But I don't see Obsidian doing what Zotero does because Zotero is literally built for managing PDFs. I I, yeah. I can't see Obsidian challenging that. Obsidian may do some of the basic features, but I can't see Obsidian actually managing Zotero, uh, managing to do what Zotero does as well. Like the, the biggest thing for me that Zotero does is I can click a button and all the information is clipped. I, yeah. I would need an Obsidian Clipper that does something similar to Zotero's Clipper, but Zotero's Clipper automatically searches for PDFs, which an Obsidian Clipper won't be able to do unless it literally replicates what Zotero does, which <laughs> that's going to be difficult. Um, and why would they do that? <laughs> exactly, exactly. It would have to be a community plugin. Yeah. So, and I, I can't imagine anyone making that. Um, right to the comment section. Maybe we turn this into like a comment section. We 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 got the the actual topic of conversation and then the comment section. Hmm. I'm figuring this out as we go. Yeah. Oh, um, I suppose we can talk about like the name change. Ah, uh, yeah. You've the, done the it, name... haven't we? Uh, yes, yes. The Danny and John. Super simple. <laughs> Long story short, we kept going backwards and forwards with names. Obviously, season one is Notion. No, it's season two. It's PKM podcast, and we were like. We need a name change because we're not quite talking about PKM anymore. We're talking about ecological psychology quite a bit, but and and we went through like different ecologically related words and names and stuff. And I was just like, you know what? Why don't we just call it us, like Danny and John? Yeah, and Danny insisted his name was first. Fuck off! <laughs> I, I specifically said, "Do you want it to be John Danny?" You're like, I don't care. Do you want it to I be Jonathan? <laughs> <laughs> it did sound weird. Danny and John didn't actually roll off the tongue better. <laughs> yeah, don't don't sound no rubbish. I couldn't help myself. I knew I needed to do that. So yeah, we are we are now just and, and, and just John. for plain just for clarity, I did ask, do you want it to be John or Jonathan or Johnny? Do you have a preference? And he said he didn't care. And I mean you call me John, so it makes sense to just keep it like that. It's one syllable, it's easier. Yeah, exactly. I don't and go by Dan for right a reason. Well. And you spelt it right, so I don't care. What, J-O-N, how else? Oh, J-O-J-H-O, yeah. J-O-H-N, yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, how else do you spell John? But John. No. Yeah, uh, yeah I'm, I'm always Danny. I don't like Dan because of multiple reasons. The main one being uh, there's a family member that I'm not a fan of and she always calls me Dan. I'm like, no, that's not my name. Um, but yeah, so it's always Danny, but... Danny and John is the name of the podcast now, and I, I can't see that changing. We may have names for like seasons 
for uh, for those on YouTube, I have playlists. So the Notion Nerds playlist is season one. The PKM podcast is season two. And this may be season three, what we call it. No, I, or what we, I call it. No idea. Uh, it just is a little bit easier when you're looking at all of the episodes to figure out what's what. Um, the thumbnails also tell you. So you, you can tell the change in thumbnail for seasons. But Danny and John is the channel. Makes things far easier to reference. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, there you go. John adding his uh, insightful words as usual. There's not really else to add. I suppose, what are we going to be talking about? Basically, exactly what we talk about now. Just yeah, the, the, the content isn't changing apart from yeah, there's a little bit more formatting on the back end. You don't, yeah. you don't need to know A bit more that. formatting, a little bit more effort from Danny. <laughs> I love that. A little bit more effort from Danny. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> but we're also, as we said, in, I think in our last episode, we're thinking a bit more about the content we're producing and kind of making it a thing right instead of us just chatting about stuff randomly yeah. when we decide to talk so every saturday for the last almost three years wow the, three has it been three wow almost. We're, we're we're at like well is it no i guess technically it's not three years because i think we've got around 90 episodes on youtube um but we started speaking before that because we were live streaming and stuff. The live streams are unlisted. So I think we're close to 100, 110 weeks of talking, which, I mean, that's over two years. I was thinking wow. three, but yeah, two. Wow. How have we put up with each other for so long? Because I'm funny. <laughs> yeah, that was funny. <laughs> <laughs> I'm quite proud of that one. Uh, <laughs> Uh, yeah, but maybe that's how other people manage to listen to us. We, we just talk rubbish and then just make a joke every once in a while. And actually, that that relates to something in the comment section. Um, yeah. I can't remember which episode I put it in. Um, so oh no, I we're breaking our own thing already. <laughs> well, it's because we're recording two today. Actually, we can talk about that before we get to the comment section. We're recording yeah. two episodes today again, <laughs> um, because we are going abroad. I'll let you carry on. All right, I love how you just like. <laughs> talk now yeah so some for some mad reason we're both going up to berlin during the week we'll probably do some form of something while we're up there i guess because content i guess it was john's idea oh oh right it's my idea was it okay okay i'm downstairs watching tv it's like half nine at night i get a message from john do you want to go to germany out of, out of <laughs> yeah, the I was like, why not? Let's just go. Well, there are two really fascinating workshops, I suppose. They're, they're, they're conferences. They're like mini conference speeches, yeah. the talks. Um, each university calls them slightly different because sometimes they are just a one hour keynote speaker. Um, but it's not a, a keynote. It's multiple keynotes in a day, which typically is a conference. It's a mini conference. Uh, yeah. So there's there's two conferences at a university in Berlin, which is about ecological psychology. And we talked about cognition. here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I, I know some of the, oh, I don't know personally, but I know of some of the people that are presenting because I've read their work. So it's, it's certainly going to be an interesting conversation. And John's going to be well within his depth. 
last time you were in education was what 16 17 yeah yeah over a decade ago then it'll be great oh yeah I'm, I'm looking forward to it lots of big words lots of fancy fancy uh conversations but yeah no it's, it's going to be good fun uh it's going to be interesting to hear what other people are saying as well around this field slash topic and over the over the week because i've been i've, I've fi- finally found like a i know how i want to talk about this stuff inside of the second channel i've been looking at other channels and how they do things and they just don't like the 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 what i'm learning channel is about education which when i get the video out i'll actually share a link but <laughs> not done yet um and education just isn't spoken about it, it's just not ecological psychology just isn't spoken about for <laughs> obvious reasons and it's going to be interesting to speak with the academics that are actually talking about it yeah i i i, I am very looking forward to just hearing it all and talking about it from a business perspective because it's going to be interesting i'm i'm quite excited for that yeah yeah i same same. And I get to look like an idiot the entire time. It's great. Well, that, that's the whole point of growth mindset, though, isn't it? Dumbest person in the room. <laughs> I'm supporting you here, John. You know? Yeah, so we'll be in Berlin for three days. Yes, and so uh, ep- episode next week will be recorded today, which we're going to do after this one. So, actually, to the comment section now. Which one we do again? Ocean Obsidian. There we go. <laughs> yes. Um, my my first comment was from the Cronin and, and Elicit updates. Uh, I've got a screenshot, which I'll probably put on screen inside the YouTube video. Uh, but I'm going to read out the bits that caught my attention because it's a fairly long comment. Does does a child uh, have ADHD before starting to learn, or does it learn to have these symptoms through learning and being the in the systems? This is me just copying pasting way before because it got taught wrong on how wow that's really bad reading how to learn and behave essentially do people with adhd have adhd or do they learn it through the symptoms that they do through behavior and i found this one really interesting because when i look at the symptoms of most neurodevelopmental disorders the symptoms are very subjective that it's very hard to say this is objectively caused by this thing. It comes back to linear causality, I think is the term. And inside of ecological dynamics and ecological psychology specifically, linear causality is, it's its not a thing that they use uh, because there is no this cause, this cause, this cause, this, because if you go all the way back, you end up saying, okay, well, what actually caused this, which typically leads you to, a thing in the brain that's processing in some way we can't understand, which means you never really get to a cause. Mm-hmm. And um, that was something when I, tr- when, when you try to do actual research, like deep research into the neuroscience of like ADHD, autism, you're like, we think it's this, but it could also be this. It's but the central executive. Yeah, whatever that means. Great, thanks. Who's that? What's that? Is it a thing? Can you touch it? No. It's oh, it's so abstract. I, I understand the abstract nature of it. <laughs> so I'm slapping at the fact that you're complaining about abstract things, and yet literally the entire thing that we talk about is incredibly abstract. But the thing is, it's not. 
well, it, no, it's it is, it's the theory abstract. is abstract, but then when we turn it, like it, it, we are able to somehow translate it into real life, which is one of the comments we had from from Davos. Well, yeah, yeah, and uh, this, uh, this I think to me like alludes to linear causality and the, the the logical way that we think. We try and think in okay, this caused this, caused this, etc., going all the way back. And when you look at symptoms, what actually causes the thing? I, I wouldn't say ADHD causes symptoms. I I don't think that is accurate. I, I think it's a possible solution, certainly. But mm. um, actually, I was reading inside of the ecological psychology book. Uh, they used the example of a hammer and a nail. Like, you can yeah. use a hammer as a tool to do a lot of things, and it will work. Is it the most efficient thing? No, but it's still the cause of the answer. They, I think they use, like breaking a toilet with a hammer or hammering a nail like the toilet isn't a nail but you still broke the toilet therefore the hammer is still a tool that works like yeah doesn't mean it's the best one the most efficient one or the one that applies in other situations because you don't always want to hammer a toilet to get it to work because it doesn't work all the time um which means there's other causes in there uh which is that that's that's what it got me thinking of and going going on your your point about the abstract nature of e- ecological psychology, the theories are abstract, but all theories are abstract. That's the point of them being theories. When you apply ecological psychology, you can see it. You can see it in nature everywhere. You can apply mm. it to all organisms, not just humans. And that's one of the things that uh, I don't like about a lot of the causal answers from information processing and and cognitive psychology typically is oh humans do this but it doesn't apply to other animals does that mean the the human centric answer is right well no because we are animals humans are different yes but all animals are different like flies eyes are different from mammals eyes but we still look in the same way it's just formulated differently with the mechanisms that we have in our body i mean i'm getting very complicated but 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 you see the point (laughs) yeah you 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 can tangibly see ecological psychology you can't tangibly see cognitive psychology you just see behaviors that you attribute to something that you don't have a, a a name explanation for oh it's processing it's the central executive it's my working memory what what are they Sorry. Yeah. Rant. And, and and I think that's the thing that I'm loving about being in this environment where we're actually in an environment. <laughs> like where we think about the environment that we're actually in versus just making a bunch of assumptions. Because it's interesting how it's shifted my perspective and just what I see, which is kind of the damn point, the whole thing in in a nutshell is it is perception. <laughs> is perception and and it's interesting how a lot of when it comes it's just i just find this separation between adhd and autism fascinating like i see it there and i'm like why there are there are there, obviously there are people who talk about autism in the same way as they talk about ADHD they 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 relate them often these are people who have what they deem as ADHD where it's autism and ADHD together which is I've not heard of that term before yeah that's ADHD yeah ADHD so it's basically both right which and and they are kind of the only ones who talk about it in the same way that people with ADHD talk about 
like their problems and their struggles and how ADHD is the cause of why things aren't happening for them. And and it's and it's and that's it's, always bugged me. Oh, it does. I can't do X because of because of this. And 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 I have my struggles due to like the issues that happen, whether they are social or whether they are because the thing in my brain is wired differently, I don't really care. I'm not really interested in knowing why it is that way. I just know We're it is all that wired way. Differently. Yeah, like I'm just wired differently. Like everybody is wired differently. And the way that I'm wired is in a different way to many people. So that means I think differently, which is basically everyone in many, many different ways. And and understanding that is all I need to do. I don't need to put the label necessarily on it, which is what I used to do. It's like, yeah, yeah, I do have autism. It's a shorthand for everybody else, not for me. When you think about that, though, that's exactly what cognitive psychology do. They they have a thing Mm. and they put a label on it. They they noun it. This is... Central executive, working memory, phonological yeah. loop. Like they've got to name stuff. Yes, there's names inside of ecological psychology, but it's not a this is this thing. It's not a noun. I am remembering. It's a process, it's a video, not a, a picture. Yeah, because perception is active. Like it it it's not like perception and action are coupled. Yeah. That that's literally what it is. It describes what it is. Affordances, constraints. Hmm. Give me a bigger word. Like like what? Covariance. I have no yes. idea what bigger word you're looking for. Yeah, I don't know. I'm just like trying bifurcations, to think of ones that I couldn't actually, like... Yeah, I'm trying to think of ones that couldn't be explained. So covariance, it's a a variance of something, which is. Fairly. Yeah, d- d- different variants that are related to <laughs> cooperative variants. That, yeah. yeah, so it. But, but when the, you the think thing, about executive processing and, and and all these big, I guess, I guess in ecological psychology, when you get really deep, there are terms like higher order variables because you're looking at the macro view of things rather than micro. So in cognitive psychology, they dive in really deep and look small. Think of a microscope. They look really, really small at something and say, okay, this is a part. We can analyze this. We can train this. And then when we zoom back out, it'll be exactly the same because we're a machine. No, we're not. Um, (laughs) Ecological psychology doesn't bother going in. They don't see the point because it's a system. We need to look look at the macro levels. Um, So it looks at higher order or higher level variables, but they're the way that they're using higher order or higher level isn't to say oh this is before this it's just to say this is more zoomed out so it's a Mm. different meaning behind the words so it can get complex if you don't understand what they're talking about but if you're that far into ecological psychology you're going to know what they're talking about anyway (laughs) yeah yeah and i'm just thinking from the perspective of like the only way you're going to get confused from our position like where we are and what we do, where we talk about it to people who are not in educational science or aren't like theoretical at all and don't really get this and are just following because we're nuts. Um, we're passionate <laughs> about something. Huh? 
we're passionate about something we're passionate about something exactly and because of that they follow what we think what we talk about in itself from my experience i'm not sure whether it's the same for you right now but just the very surface level of ed is like life changing and i hate using that phrase because it sounds so twee and annoying but uh, your marketing i know but it, i know well i'm a business person that's my job um <laughs> but but it's it is very much like when you take the as we call it when you take the red pill that's it like it, mm. it you can't or it is much harder to go the other way I, I agree with that last statement. It's certainly harder to go from ED to, well, from ecological psychology, so eco-psych to cog-psych. Um, yeah. I may start using that abbreviation because I think it's uh, more more usable for people because if they don't know what ED and IP are, they're like, what is that? So I may say like eco-psych and cog-psych. I'm not sure. Let me know in the comments which one you prefer. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but when when I, I, I had at- someone, I had someone literally, um, yeah, yesterday, uh, on Wednesday asking what I did and what I talk about and I'm like oh. they, they asked why I was going to Berlin and I'm like how do I explain this in as few words as possible that isn't going to break people's brains <laughs> shit how you perceive things influences the environment and the environment and what you see basically influence each other was what i said which is okay but also it, it was someone who's doing D. <laughs> <laughs> yeah no the the um the, the way i try and approach it is when people say oh what what do you research i'm like oh educational science it's very rare i actually get into a conversation about ecological psychology and the people that i do get into those conversations with uh it's they're, they're normally in academia so i can use terms they're familiar with so i can say well you know in cog psych there are basin statistics and all this sort of predictive processing etc well ecological psychology takes a different approach um so i i try and avoid saying eco psych because as soon as you as soon as you say psychology people have assumptions about it um and and this is this is where i was going like the, the first bit about the red pill i think it's certainly harder to go from eco psych to cog psych because eco psych there are assumptions in there that like direct perception is a thing cog psych indirect perception is a thing <laughs> you, you can't listen to eco psych and believe in indirect perception they, they fundamentally disagree you, you can't do it um some people think you can combine them together, but it doesn't work like that. <laughs> Completely <laughs> defeating the point. Um, but what I will say is going from cog psych to eco psych, I don't think it's a, oh, I've taken the red pill, I'm in there. Because a lot of people, even yourself, like struggle to translate the words. And like, it took me a while to really understand the differences because I wasn't aware of what cog psych and eco psych were when I was learning about it, because I was learning about it in education and how to coach. Um, I I never really had this battle going backwards and forwards. I just learned to speak eco psych before cog psych. <laughs> like I didn't know of either of them. I learned to speak eco psych language, and now when I see cog psych, I'm like, oh, I know I know what the term means, but that doesn't really make much sense. So I, I've always sort of come at it from that view. So taking the pill is certainly not the answer. It it it's a process. Yeah, it's it's like taking the pill, but it takes about three quarters of an hour to actually say. 
<laughs> except extend three quarters of an hour to like how long have I been doing this? Yeah, now? like three, four months. <laughs> three, four months. <laughs> three, four months. But slowly, well, it, like it, it probably took like four to eight episodes of us talking for you yeah. to start engaging in eco psych rather than it being you ask question me answer you ask question me answer you say something and me go mm, not quite <laughs> yeah so yeah. It, it, it takes time especially if you don't have the time to wrap your head around it like every day <laughs> yes which it's not something you go oh yeah i get that now yeah and it does take time and it, and it and i think that's the bit that i find interesting is how for me and what i do like separate from this but now not also which is kind of cool is how to bring some of this into the into the work for other people like me who don't have a danny sat next to them once a week of like how do i talk about this in a way that's actually people can grasp and get on and get hold of and actually i think i rather successfully did that with the workshop i did recently where i've just well i basically constrained the environment to one very hyper specific thing and then used those concepts in a way that makes sense to what I'm talking about. And it it's almost like I didn't teach anything. <laughs> if that if that makes sense. Like I didn't I didn't actually go, here is this, that, and the other. It's like, here is an environment that I'm gonna put you in. What if this? What if that? Here's a here's a funny story. Here's a funny story. So while I was at uni, my head of course, Jim, absolutely despised the teaching courses, despised them, could not stand them. Um, and he he used to poke fun at them all the time. This is like PE teacher education uh, because obviously it's sports university. So we, he always poked fun at people whenever we did coaching sessions, uh, whether it was like with or without other other like groups. He would always poke fun. And I remember we were doing, a, I think it was a skill acquisition module and we had to coach a session specifically related to skill acquisition. I did a session and then someone from the PE course did a session. I can't remember the guys. I think it was like Joe or Ben, some popular British name. Um, he did a session and the 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 PE co it was like 50 50 split there was like a 30 people in the class like 12 of us were coaching the rest PE and Jim the first comments he said was Danny didn't teach anything but you taught the whole session <laughs> and all the coaching students are like that's funny because we know exactly where Jim's going now um because it you shouldn't be teaching in skill acquisition because then you're then you're not helping the person learn anything um yeah. And and you just said teach. You didn't teach anything. I'm like, good. I yeah. don't want you to teach anything. I, and that I, was that was the point. And and actually the responses were, yeah, no, this is amazing. Oh my god, I've never thought like this. I'm like, good. Good. It's it's the analogy that uh, again my head of course used to use. I don't see the point of coming up with my we own. We need to get your head of course work. onto this. We um, should get we should get we should get them onto this. And like have a proper discussion. It'd be so cool. good luck with that. Um, I know. Literally, the conversation would go in like a million directions into research you've never even heard of. Uh, I don't care. Literally, literally, imagine me, but like thirty years older. That would be so much fun. <laughs> yeah. Um. I mean, I, I take a lot of inspiration from his work. Obviously, big influencing factor. But um, the analogy that he uses, which is used all over in sports coaching education, it's not his analogy. It's just he's where I heard it first, is the gamer coach. 
Like, are you going to be a gamer coach? Are you going to teach the person to complete the level through a tutorial? I watch a tutorial. This is how you get through the level. Or are you going to teach them by not giving them a tutorial and saying, well, what if you do that? What if you do this? If you jump over that thing, do you die and have to start again? And the coach essentially is just creating the game and the checkpoints. And the checkpoints are the bits that I think a lot of coaches forget. Like they think, oh yeah, but then they have to start again every time. No, they don't because they've learned something, bifurcations in ecological psychology, because they've learned something. They're not starting again. They're starting from a different place. Bernstein's repetition without repetition. And the coach needs to reinforce the different starting points. And that's what the coach does. And the different starting points is, oh, an environment. <laughs> and, and all of this fits together. When you look at Cogsyke, it doesn't work like that. Oh, no, you, you need to do another practice. You need to retrieve it again. You need to retrieve it again and again and again and again until you get it right. Bollocks. <laughs> yeah. All right, Thanks. John, your, your first comment. All right. <laughs> I, I, just, I, I just saw the uh, wasted hours and thought mm, I'm intrigued yeah so this was a comment from Davos around um, it was on our on our AI episode and um, how they had spent a lot of time trying to write a formal letter and then ended up spending more time than just writing it themselves um and it was just to get one sentence better and it just brought me thoughts of like is ai good enough and the need to train and, and i think you've touched on this quite a few times and i think the way that i see it is not necessarily right now that ai is better than if you do it yourself it is the fact that i think ai is going to become quite an integral part of what we do and how we function and so when it comes to like learning how to use the ai one i like to use the ai to generate ideas to in, to like give me inspiration to work from so that i'm not working from a blank page as i think we've said before but when it comes to actually the the bit, that is when I find it, it kind of lacks that little bit of, once you can train it, it's fine. But training it requires a lot of time and it's constantly having to be trained and, and, and you know, retrieval practice because it is a robot. Yeah. Um, it, it literally it is Cogsyke. It, it is, is literally Cogsyke. And so when you think of it like that, it's it's always, I think it does and will always have some form of limitation. I've come to a bit of a, a conclusion with AI. It may be a bit like premature. Um, I don't think AI is useful in writing. By definition, my, my in my head definition of writing is the process of thought, the process of cognitive uh, communication between brain and the written word and symbols. I don't think AI suits that at all because it doesn't think. <laughs> it yeah. can't perceive and act. It, it doesn't do that. It's a machine. Um, what it does do is search. 
it's really good at searching for stuff. And I've been using AI. I'm, I'm not even joking here every single minute while I'm writing. It's not doing the writing. I tried. I try every single time. Yeah. I try. It just doesn't work. Even when I say, can you reword this? It rewords it in a way that's either uh, bloated, has added redundancies, has misunderstood the point, doesn't quite get what I'm saying, or is adding misinterpretations or um, just misinformation from wherever it's found the information from, search. Um, and I've tried chat, chat GPT. I've tried some other text engine things that have come up. I've, all, all gives me the same tip. Um and I don't want to sit here and train something for two hours to give me a response that I can figure out my own. However, if I don't search on a search engine, i.e. Yahoo, Google, Bing, whatever, um, if I don't search on a search engine, I search in an AI, Bing is the one I'm using, then my search becomes far quicker. Mm. I'm using Bing AI instead of Bing or Google. Mm because it gives me the answers I want and it gives me the sources that I would want to find. And mm. I was testing this with some of the research I've done for my recent video. And I asked the, I asked AI a question. Well, actually I, I did the search first. I did the search for, I think it was, it was something to do with uh, legislation of schools in the UK. I think it was the difference between academies and free schools with funding of local authorities. It was a really like niche question. Um, and it, and I did it a search. I ignored the chat AI thing. I went through the top three links. The first two links were useless. And the third link, I found it, but it was in a blog post and there was no source on the blog post. I was like, mm, okay, I have the answer, but I'm not great. I'm not sold on this. I asked AI. AI went and found the PDF document on the government website in the commons and directed and directed me to it. So I and I couldn't even find it in the search results. I tried Google as well. It didn't come up in search results. So AI has gone through the government websites, gone through the PDF web, uh, like attachment files on the government website, found the answer to my question and given me a source to that. Why would I even bother going to like Bing search or Google search if AI can do that for me? That is where I think AI search. That That's where AI is useful for me. Yeah, I find as a brainstorming partner, I find it useful as well. Like going back and forth, I kind of see it, you, you you kind of, it's almost the same thing of like, it's a search partner for you. So it's like, I'm trying to find this. And it has enough context to be able to actually direct you immediately, whereas traditional search does not. I think e even if you were to ask Google or Bing as a search engine, it would come up with suggestions. Hmm. I don't think the suggestions would be as good though. No. And that to me is what I think AI is. It's a better search engine. Mm. The only problem with that, paradoxically, is it searches through the results. But if we've got no results because people don't publish stuff because they're using AI and AI ends up being the search results that AI is finding, now we have a problem because AI is finding AI results, which isn't technically true because it's built off of old data. So we still need new, new data. We still need new content. I don't see that going anywhere. But if people's new content is AI generated, now we have a problem of misinformation being used over and over and over again, which... Is obviously we a already have that problem. Anyway. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. It's just making a problem we have bigger. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I, I like, I like AI for search. I don't like it for writing. Yeah, it, it just can't. Even when you've got it like nailed down and you've got the the perfect prompt, it's still not not quite enough. <laughs> yeah.
and it yeah. needs and it, it it forever just needs to be edited and yes you can keep trying to prime the the whole thing and blah 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 and yeah it can get close which for myself is enough because i have enough you know expertise to be able to make it sound the way i want to because i have a prompt that is that gets me three quarters of the way there and the bit that i need i can add in and that's enough for me but it will never replace and oh i'm so tired of everyone saying oh ai is going to replace web designers ai is going to replace this and I, no it's not it's it's not it's just not something i found interesting uh actually well, I'll go to this next comment because I think it's going to relate. Uh, the, the comment says uh, it might, well, we might call it a mask to label why we did something the way we did it in the past, but it is more a lazy excuse and actual reflection on our past actions. That's from the AI stories episode. And I think this is, this relates to what I had in my head because when we think of something um, as, oh, this is a decision that I've made, right? It, it's the decision you've made. You've made the decision. It's not someone else making the decision on your behalf. You've added whatever constraints in your mind to alter the, the answer of the decision, to, to, to change the answer, whatever it is. Um, so you're making the decision. I, I, I don't see any other person making the decision. Are there factors that change it? Yes. When it comes to AI, AI makes the decision and when writing, AI makes those decisions. There's no other person that does the thing. But when, when I'm writing, I can make those decisions. And I have different reasons for making the decisions to AI. And when, when I tried writing the script, AI kept giving me the same stuff because the constraints weren't changing. And even when I asked ChatGPT and Bing, even when I asked them to change the constraints and write in a different way, it had different assumptions of what those constraints were. So um, to give a more tangible example, GCP Grey, he writes his videos very succinctly. And there's a, a, an air of poetry about them because he uses different ways of structuring sentences. It's very sort of Do Dr. Zeus-esque, you could say. Uh, and I tried getting AI to write a script similar to ChatGP, uh, to GCP Grey, to Dr. Zeus, write, rewrite sentences in poetry. It can be coming up with stupid rhymes that didn't make sense. Uh, and it, the constraints it was adding made sense for the prompts that I was giving it, but it didn't do what I wanted it to do because I had so many constraints in my head changing the decision that it just couldn't replicate it. So I, I ended up being like, you know, stuff this. I'm not going to use AI for writing. It, it, it just doesn't It doesn't make the same decisions I would make, which is kind of the point. <laughs> AI doesn't and, do it. And, and although you can make it make the same decisions by being clearer on what it should do, you can make it do that. It is possible to make it follow your constraints if you can declare it succinctly enough. Yes. But... But it will never quite do what you want it to because you still think, whereas it predicts. And that, I think, is is the outside of outlining something just to get it down. In terms of writing, I think outlining something really simple. It's, it can do that relatively well. 
But when it comes to actually creating the content, when it comes to actually writing something, it can't. I, I use it for summarization. I think that's a useful tool, having it to summarize a, a, a word vomit that I do. I'm good with that. I like it summarizing my stuff because I already I've given it basically my brain at that point to summarize and to take it. Does it miss stuff? Yes, still misses stuff. So I just add it back in because it's my brain and I get it. But when it comes to actually writing stories or writing content, it's just like it can't. It's no better than a template. <laughs> See, to me, that comes back to the the lazy element of the comment from Dovos is AI is making decisions for you. And I, th I think it's a, it's not a wrong, but I do think it's, it's got an element of being lazy. Like when, when you use it to summarize your brain dump, you could do it yourself. You're just choosing not to. Mm -hmm. And then once you've got the answer, you're then making a decision to go, actually, I don't like this. I prefer something else and adding something else. That second bit is useful. Um, mm -hmm. And I guess when it comes to the decisions that we're making, obviously Dovas was talking specifically about ADHD and masking um, with, with the labels. I'm talking a little bit more macro and broad here with, with the labels and masks, because I think the the label of lazy, the, the, the labels of everything that we put on things, AI can, can't do X, Y, Z, um, brings in decision-making and how we make decisions is really interesting. And what I want to say is that Making a decision, I I would prefer to make a decision with my own interpretations rather than AI because AI brings in because AI doesn't perceive, but it's make it has a behavior and it's using information to make that behavior. So there's an element of interpretation the AI has done, which means there is an element of perception for AI. How where do you want to go with that? It's up to you. Whether I, I like perception in there, I'm not sure. But AI is interpreting information to give me a decision, to give me an answer, to give me a behavior. And I don't like it because AI, mm. whether it's conscious or not, is still acting as another person summarizing something or another, another organism summarizing something. And then I get to the question, okay, would I ask another person to summarize my brain dump for me and then me look at their summary? Would I ask them to do that? No. So why am I asking AI to do that? What can AI do that another person can't do? That, 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 that's where my brain goes. So interesting. Because I like the idea of seeing what other people say. I, I find that interesting, like the differences. Because for me, what I do with that is go, oh, cool. So that's a that's a possible misconception there that I didn't realize. I find that bit interesting for me and that to me is where i think the there is a difference between writing on your own and writing with others and i think mm. whether we're going to call ai conscious or not writing with ai is with others because you're not doing all the mental work mm -hmm. yeah um, so i just wonder where the writing on your own is does it does it go does it disappear like what happens to that because i certainly feel like there's a there's an air of oh we need to write with ai because it helps with xyz but it 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 doesn't it, it actually causes a lot of issues because you're subject to all of the misconceptions 
that AI has because AI doesn't know and you can challenge AI and AI a lot of the time will go, ah, no, yeah, you're right. <laughs> Whereas a person will go, no, I'm going to fight my fight my corner here. Yeah, and that's something that I, it, it's a nice reflective exercise in some ways for me. Mm-hmm. I like seeing the responses and I'm like, I absolutely hate that. Do you have a tangible example of that? So I I haven't found AI to give me anything fruitful. Like when it comes to asking it to review, reflect, feedback, rewrite, AI just comes up with so much tut. I think the only thing it's helped me with when it comes to writing is finding rhyming words, but I can Google that or Bing that. Yeah, I I, I think it very much is just, I don't want to think about this, tell me what to think and just give me something to start with. That's one thing I do. I use it for. I'm just looking through. And then it's like, it is very much a shortcut and things I'm just not interested in. Mm -hmm. But then when I become interested, it's like, I will just do it myself in my own way. Because. So is it really useful? It depends on how you define what's useful. That's why I asked you. So for me, <laughs> is it useful? Yeah. Okay. It allows me to focus on what's important for me and anything that I don't really care that much about but still need to do because I need to do it, I can do. It, it does for me. And then I just take what it te- what it says and I'm like, yeah, they're like that. I'll just change that. And it gives me something to just bounce off of. And it helps me to clarify, like, yeah, I don't agree with this. This isn't quite right. Why do I think that? Okay, cool. And then it allows me to kind of just go into my own thought. It's kind of a jumping off point. Does it give you like a second voice of the content you've created? Um, It gives me the voice of the people I'm talking to. So it behaves in basically mm. how the internet behaves because that's literally what it's built on which is really useful for me because a lot of my work is kind of aimed at the general people and so for me it's like ah, oh, cool so these are the misconceptions it's grabbing from the internet how many of them do i want to fight and and discuss and how many do i just not care about enough okay yeah, that, that's more... that's not a use case that I would have because in my head, I, I wanna, I wanna focus everything in my head and work it through, like mm. in my own cognitive space rather than with AI. But yes, well, it it's the starting point. It's like here is a thing, okay, cool, that's a thing. Then I just carry on. Yeah, I'm still, I'm still, I'm still not sold, but <laughs> fair enough. Yeah, everyone works a little different, so. Right, your uh, second your second point. I I'm intrigued to see what you want to talk about on it because I don't. You don't what? I, I I don't get it. Like, what? What are you trying to get? At? I don't know. It was something. It it was how to do things you don't want to do. Um, that was something that I I Davos mentioned, and also it was something that I have had a lot of questions about. And in my own life and stuff of like, 
and also what people I talk to, clients I have, also ask that question. And it's like, for me, my answer has always been either if it's something you don't really want to do, ooh, i.e. you're doing it, <laughs> um, which is a good starting point. But sometimes you're doing it because there is a need to do it. For example, a good example for me is um, like accounting and the the balancing money and, and stuff. I know it needs to be done and it's important, but that does not make me want to do it anymore. And I'm sure that's the case for many people. So how do I how do I do it? And so for me, it was removing as many obstacles for getting me to do it. That was what I chose to do. And changing the way I, I saw it was one of the things I did, like look for a different angle, see how I could shift this thing that I didn't want to do into a position where I wanted to do it. Do I still want to do it? No, not really, but it's important. Okay, cool. How do I make it as easy as possible? What constraints and thing? What do I think of this thing that is blocking me and getting in my way and stopping me from being able to complete it? What constraints have I added to it? What assumptions do I have that I that are are, are not true? And as a tangible example, it was very much like with the accounting stuff. It's like, oh, it's got to be formatted in a certain way. It's got to have these in, these pieces of information. It has to have all this information. If it doesn't have all this information, it's not this, it's not that. And for me, it was like, okay, what do I actually want to do by doing this? Well, I want to know how much money I have coming in and how much money I have coming out and whether I am earning enough money to pay my bills and take a little bit on the side. Am I, that's what I needed. And so that helped almost change my desire to want to do it. I still don't enjoy it. And do I, if I have, it was kind of figuring out how to do things you don't want to do. Yeah. Hmm. Um. I don't, it's not, I don't understand what you're saying. It's just, I don't, I, maybe this is another one of these things that I'm just, I don't not the language I would use. <laughs> like it's not I don't want to do it. It's I want to do something else more. Um and I think that is that is a little bit more accurate, I think. Because when it comes to accounting, it's never going to be fun because it's not a fun activity. It's like the accounting thing itself isn't fun. Doing something for a purpose like a goal outcome is why we act is why we behave um and like unless there is a reason a goal a target a point a purpose to an action you're gonna struggle to motivate whatever that means to you yourself to do it so what is the point what is the goal well if the goal is to know how much you've earned this month then do that I, I don't understand when people say, oh, accounting's boring. Well, what accounting are you doing? Oh, I need to work out how much tax I need to pay. Oh, okay, well, work out how much tax you need to pay, but I don't want to do it. Why not? And th there is a reason why they don't want to do it. Most of the time it's, I don't know how, then that's a learning friction. Or I don't, th or it might be really high. Or that's a fear of you having high tax or a fear of having low tax or fear of getting something wrong. That's a, again, that's another learning thing. 
So mm. to me, it's not a, I don't want to do that thing. Because again, looking at linear causality, I don't want to do that thing. But why? What's the cause of you not wanting to do the thing? And most of the time, it's not the thing itself. It's something no. related, but Round it's not, yeah, yeah. It, it's not linearly related. It's not, oh, uh, I don't like accounting because I don't like numbers because I was bad at maths at school because blah, blah. Yeah, no, no. You, you don't want to do accounting because normally you're scared of something. So th there's a fear about typically ineffectiveness or like poor expertise. Um, or th there's another reason there. And th this is where in my head I get, I get frustrated a little bit with when people say, I don't want to do that. Why don't you want to do that? Oh, because I don't. That, that's not an answer. Like, yeah. Why don't you want to do this? Oh, it doesn't motivate me. That's still not an answer. You're you're doing a, a cogs-like thing. You're just dumping a label on something that means literally nothing. Like, why don't you want to do it? Oh, because I might get it wrong. Okay, we can, we now have something to do. Yeah. <laughs> because yeah, and that was for me with when it came to the numbers. It was the fear of getting it wrong. It was all the stories of like, I'm not good with maths, I'm not good with this, I'm not good with that. Okay, cool. Well, I have a spreadsheet. Okay, cool. I find it boring having to do data entry and separating everything out and doing it like that. Okay, cool. So that's the problem. That's actually what it is. So let's make it super damn simple, which is kind of, I, I think I skipped to the end of the cognitive process in my head. I'm like, so I just change it to make it as easy as possible to reach what I want to do. That's what I did. Um, but that is literally what we do. It's it's all organisms. Organisms have a goal. The goal is normally related to a problem that they have. But if you don't isolate the problem that you have, not the label that you've attached to this thing you don't want to do, but the actual problem itself, i.e. I'm scared of this or I need to learn this or I don't want to do that because of whatever reason, typically fear or lack of expertise in something, uh, th then you don't have a goal. You don't have a problem to solve. So find a problem that you need to solve and then go solve the problem. If you don't yeah. want to solve the problem, again, you have another problem. Why don't you want to solve the problem? Oh, because yeah. I'm scared I'm going to get it wrong. You're going to, you're, you're scared you're going to get something wrong when you're learning. Well, now you have a fundamental problem with what learning is. Learning is getting things wrong. <laughs> and you start breaking this, this down, which is reflective practice is what everyone should have been taught at school um that's just reflective practice and they so should <laughs> and and looking at something critically and saying to yourself oh, okay i have this problem let's solve it i have this problem let's solve it rather than saying oh, i'm not motivated to do that why aren't you motivated to do that oh there's no point why is there no point uh i don't see how this benefits me in life right now we have something to solve yeah so and and that's that's the way that i would look at it um, I very quickly switched something over because you mentioned it. I'm like, yes, yes, I want to put it in this week. That is it, not next one. Yeah, I, I just saw the the blip. Do you, do you want to go for it now? As uh, as we're talking about reflective practice, I thought it was. I thought it was fantastic. One of Dovos's comments was it instead of replying instantly, they paused before they responded, and I'm like, yeah. I got very excited. I was just like, yes. And and it also relates back to kind of like the lazy conversation as well, which it it it's like that when you want to do something and you're replying to it instantly, it's great. You get what you want. But it, it was interesting how the difference in the responses were this time versus previous ones. They were still fantastically conversation hence why i think we've had to split it up over two episodes because there's like so many things to talk about 
Um, and I don't think I even went through all the comments in the end because I was like, well, I'll finish this off. Oh, kids need me. Okay. Um, but yeah, it, it was it was really interesting. And like, I love reflective practice. Like, it's just so awesome, which isn't really anything more than just like, yay. That's, that sounds really egocentric. You're like, I love thinking about myself, thinking about me. That's great. <laughs> I just... Oh, I, 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 agree, I agree. I'm, I'm exactly the I, same. I, I do. And I very much, I'm like, yes. Because it, 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 it goes back to what we were just saying of like, there's a problem that you want to solve. Once you realize what the problem you want to solve is, you'll want to do it. Because you like to solve problems. <laughs> that, 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 problems that is quite literally... And if you, if you can't find a problem to solve, then one, why are you doing it? Because often we think there are a problem, especially in the, I'm talking business specific here, but like you think that something's a problem when it really isn't to you and you just don't care. Okay, cool. So don't do it then. Oh, well, I should. Well, why right. do you think you should? What's the problem there? <laughs> let's go Let's go on a problem-solving hunt. Let's hunt for the problems because then you'll want to do something. The problem was I had no idea what revenue was coming into my business. I had no idea whether I was actually, I actually had a damn business, which was one that made money. And then I realized it was a business that made money. Oh, cool. Sweet. I had a massive tax bill that I didn't realize. Oh, cool. That's a problem. I need to fix that problem. Okay, cool. I need to make a closer eye on that. Cool. And then, and, and then the solutions almost, I mean, in my brain, the way that I work, whether that's the same for everyone else, I can't talk about that, but my own practice is once I find a problem, a solution will fall into place because I am thinking from that angle, not from a, I can't do this because I'm X. Yep. And it's I just agree. like, boom. I'm like, oh, this is a problem I can solve. <laughs> oh, fun. This moves quite nicely into the the, the next comment what what's what the difference between the theory of these systems and ed's view on it on, on that that. Is. i was like oh yeah oh. this is related we to... need an episode for that one <laughs> yeah maybe maybe um when when it comes to like the the systems and being overcomplicated, complicated was referring to uh i think it was um I've got the, the comment above it, so I can have a, a, a look through. Uh, is it above it? No, it's below it. Um, yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> yeah, the, the PKM systems. Uh, like immediately, things that come to mind is like maps of content um, and PPV and all the different systems that people build it's up. marketing. Yeah. They're not yeah. systems. They're marketing. They are systems, but they're marketed systems because everything's a system. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but the systems... Like, yeah, I suppose it is a system, but it's 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 primarily marketing. I think the focus is on the marketing rather than the system, if that makes sense. That's where the overcomplicated element comes in. I think the systems are overcomplicated deliberately um, 
whether it whether the intention was to overcomplicate the system, I don't think is true. But I think it's overcomplicated because of the marketing, because of the branding, because of the selling of the thing, uh, which overcomplicates a lot of stuff. When you add names, which we'll get to in the next episode. Um, sorry, that'll be next week for you, everyone else. Um, but when we get to, to naming all of the parts of PKM and all the parts of the systems and stuff. Oh, yeah, I just read this. I'm like, yeah, we are going to go there. Yeah, uh, when it comes to all of that, it, a lot of it is just so arbitrary and redundant. Like you do not need it, and that's where the systems get overcomplicated. The difference with ED um, is ED isn't a system. ED is a perspective, a way of looking at things. So, because ED is from ecological psychology, there are assumptions with ecological psychology as there are with cognitive psychology. But the assumptions change the way that you mold um behaviors decisions perception and action to do something so instead of saying i'm going to create a map of content or i'm going to create a linked database or i'm going to track these habits you say okay what information do i have in this environment that helps me do xyz mm-hmm. and, and oops smack the mic apologies audio people um but, but that that's i say that's it but there's not much else to it Look at mm. the constraints and affordances of the environment you're in. Use the information that you have access to, which is everything because of direct um, direct perception. Wow. Um, and then work from there. Like, yeah. do the thing. Um, you you don't I, need I to add labels. And I think it also links quite nicely to... Oh, hang on. Did I make that as a point? Maybe it's a point in I the uh, next episode. I wanted to make sure that I didn't accidentally take the point for the next episode but it was yeah no it isn't a point for the next episode damn okay i'll say that you can talk about it now very quick yeah it it was around like how we've created this environment that we're in of like we're not trying to win like we're we're not there yes we are win we are machines like we are there to just talk and explore things, and I think that that right there is. I to have me, that comment as well for next week. Yeah, that is my fundamental like experience of Ed Psych. Mm-hmm. That, that is the fundamental experience of like Eco Psych. It's either eco-psych. Ed or Eco Psych because yeah. Ed. Ecological dynamic psychology. No, that's not a thing. Eco-psych. There you go. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. I, 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 we I will probably dive on that one next episode anyway. Yes. Uh, if you don't have any questions or if you want us to dive into a topic, let us know in the Discord or inside the comment section below. Yes. <laughs>